church family. Let's stand as we open in worship. the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean how marvelous how wonderful and my song shall ever be how marvelous Wonderful is my Savior's love for me. For me it was in the garden, he prayed not my will but thine. He had no tears for his own grief, the sweat drops of blood for
morning, everybody. I hope you're doing well. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here at Faith Family Fellowship. I'd like to welcome you here if you're a visitor here with us this morning. Uh, extend a welcome to you. Right in front of you, there should be a card that says communication, connection card maybe. It says a, it, it's, it's a card that has some information on it. Uh, if you would fill that out and drop that in the basket on your way out as a record of you being with us, give us the opportunity to reach out to you this week. And uh, also, if there's anything we can pray for you about, it's, it's a way for you to share those with us that we can be praying for you and, uh, and, and know what's happening. All right, so we'd love to have that opportunity if you would fill that out. So here in just a second, uh, we are beginning this week as the week of prayer, looking forward to Easter. So Easter, uh, every, every year we take up an offering as part of a Southern Baptist as being a Southern Baptist church as part of the Southern Baptist Convention, supporting missionaries in North America. And so this Easter offering goes, every bit of it goes to support the missionaries. And so this week is a week of prayer, praying specifically for those people that are spread out across North America and what God is using them to do. And so we'd like to invite you to be in prayer this week for the different efforts and the different people who are serving uh, in God's kingdom in North America. And so the prayer guides that are normally on the back uh, that, that we make available, we're going to email out this year. And so each day this week you should get an email with details about, uh, about who specifically to pray for and that has details about what is happening that is uh, in different areas of North America. And so I would encourage you to keep an eye out for those. Let us know if, if you're not receiving those emails that we can write that situation. And uh, you can get those uh, this week and join us in prayer for North American missions. Okay, so we've got a video introducing some of it uh, that's going to roll. We live in a Christian nation. That's what some people say. Maybe that's why they often ask, why do we need missionaries here? There are places in North America where there are very few churches. People are very open to conversation, but nine times out of 10, they have not heard of Jesus. There is no pastors, there is no people can share the gospel with them. There's lives that can be made whole with the gospel. And we're watching God change people's hearts and change people's lives. But I wish people knew how many more laborers we need in the mission field because it's more than we can handle. Church planting is hard. We just got to work together. We can do more together than we can do apart. We need all the help that we can get, and that's what Annie does. It allows for more laborers to come here. The Annie Armstrong Easter offering unites us all, big and little, young and old, black and white. We all give because we know that when we do, our communities will look more like this. And we all give because we know there's a name and a face on the other side of that gift. This offering, this gift that we're giving to and that everyone else is giving to, it does have a face. It's my face. This is the body. This is the body of Christ. That's what any Armstrong means to me.
So within the Southern Baptist Convention, there are about 2,200, 2,200 missionaries in North America in all over major cities, areas, uh, in, in Canada and in the States and in neighboring islands and areas. And so there it may be a surprise to you, but the lostness in living in a global world where so many people can easily travel in, travel out for work and different things, and the amount of, of people that are around us who did not grow up in the Bible Belt, who don't know who Jesus is, and the needs are, are massive and may be surprising to us. And so I would encourage you to pray to think on, seek the Lord for how he would use you, how he would use us in his kingdom work, in what he is, what he is doing across the world of how he is bringing the gospel to peoples. So we, uh, we have a memory verse that we are starting this month in 1 John. We're going to look at two verses, 1 John uh, chapter 1, as we have been looking at the glory of God and memorizing verses about God's greatness and God's authority and then God's holiness. And so we, this month, are going to look at God's provision that he has provided for our dire individual situation. He has provided in his son that if we would confess and trust in Jesus, we would be forgiven. So this is a tool in the tool belt. Let's, let's read it uh, twice and encourage you to memorize it this month. All right, would you read with me? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 8 through 9. All right, one more time. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 8 through 9. The he is God. God forgives through his son, Jesus that he has come to be the propitiation to pay the debt of sin that we all are in, that we all have on our account. He has come to provide that we can be forgiven if we agree with what he says and we trust in him. So, great, great grace God has given us in his son. So we will pray here in just a minute, but I want to make just an announcement to let you know uh, that uh, of, of something in transition that as Pastor Ernie uh, has, has, uh, has left us here uh, a few months ago, the Lord is providing for our children and for the children's ministry. And so uh, we believe the Lord has appointed somebody to take his role and that, uh, that, that place uh, in, within, within the children's ministry. And so Lee Munger has uh, in sensing the Lord leading him and, and speaking, talking with the elders and, and talking over the ministry and the need there, uh, in sensing the Lord leading is stepping forward to 
uh, to step in into that role uh, as, as a coordinator of the children's ministry. Uh, so he want to make you aware of that and ask that as we pray, that you would be in prayer for him and his family and in prayer for uh, the children's ministry here at Faith Family Fellowship of, of what the Lord would do through him, through you parents, of how he would be at work in our children to prepare them for what God has for them in their lives. All right. It's exciting. It is, it is great that the Lord is uh, preparing, is providing, and, uh, and the Lord is at work. All right, let's pray, and we'll continue in worship. Father God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for this time. God, I thank you for this opportunity, this opportunity to gather together as, as people who, who are trusting in your Son. God, I ask your help. I ask your help that, Lord, you would lead each of us. As not every one of us has confessed with our mouth and have trusted with our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, has confessed of our sin that we desperately need your grace and your help. And so, Father, I ask that, God, this morning would be that day for some, for all of us, that God, that we would, those who know you have been born again by your grace, would renew that confession of Christ, that confession of completed work on the cross that has been paid on their account, that God, you would then also renew to faith. God, bring to faith, bring to confession and to trust in you, those who do not know you this morning. Would you bring life this morning in some hearts here? that, God, you would draw us to fully trust in your son, Jesus, to agree with what you say and to walk out faith in your son. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for your grace and ask, Lord, for your help. We ask that, God, you would speak to us, would reveal to us, Lord, what you have for us to hear and to know this morning. God, would you be with your children here? with those who are invested and involved there within ministry to, to kids, that, God, you would fill with your spirit, you would direct steps, and that, God, you would be glorified in their minds and in their hearts, and that, God, you would provide a foundation of, of truth in their lives. And that, God, you would use Lee, you would use others in, that, are, that are invested there, God, to to build these kids, to build their lives, to build their minds in dependence and trust in your word and in your son, Jesus. And that, God, you would raise them up into adulthood and send them out, God, that maybe years from now we would be praying for them as they are in some place in North America sharing the gospel, going into darkness with the light of Christ. God, would you, would you be at work? Would you, Lord provide, Lord, for, for your kids and for us this morning. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we continue in worship.
nothingness than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest phrase, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. My hope is built blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, Christ alone, cornerstone. 
Father, you are good. God, you are gracious. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, you are the ruler over everything. And yet you, you meet with us and you allow us to come to you. Lord, thank you. God, I pray that as Pastor Joel comes out to bring your word, God, that you will speak through him. Lord, that your spirit, God, your spirit will speak. That we will receive your words, apply them to our lives, and God, leave this building better equipped to serve you. Father, help us to love you and serve you in all that we do. We love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Let me just say a word of thanks to all of you who came out and uh, worked yesterday on uh, uh, work day, working on the Mission House, and things look so much better, and uh, we're almost there of having it ready uh, for our next missionaries to come in, and that is great. Uh, I do also want to thank uh, Lee. Uh, for uh, not only hearing the voice of God in this, but his attitude. Uh, you know, he said, I don't know what the next pastor's going to want, and that's okay. He says, I'm, I'm going to serve, and if he comes in and says, keep doing it, I'm going to keep doing it, and if not, then uh, uh, I'll step aside and do what he wants done, and uh, that's a servant's heart. And uh, it is good. Now, he has a full-time job, so this is part-time on top of that. Uh, be in prayer for him. He gets a an, an immediate target on his back when he is when he uh, agrees to serve in a pastoral type role in the church because we have an enemy that walks about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And if he can stop leaders, uh, that's uh, better for him. So uh, do pray for him. Come alongside him. Uh, he's not doing everything he is coordinating and leading and uh, he'll he's got a great heart and you'll be blessed by him uh, also uh, want to just say again about our uh, missions offering uh, most of that money goes to help plant churches okay so I want you to be encouraged uh, we're trying to start churches all across uh, North America uh, and again as Matthew said we have the world coming to us and we have people groups and uh, languages that uh, some of us uh, would have difficulty uh, uh, working in that environment. And God is calling out men and women uh, to, to plant churches uh, where uh, they can uh, speak the language and uh, to relate to people that come from a different culture. So uh, be, be uh, in prayer for that. Uh, I do want to remind you to, that we do have our continuation service tonight in that uh, the first Sunday of the month, uh, we do have a preaching time tonight. It's going to be a little bit different. Uh, 
I'm going to be talking about, uh, you know, the scripture says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Uh, we're in some uh, troublesome days right now across the world. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I look at world leaders and some of the wickedness that goes on, there's, there's, a, there's a fleshly desire to, uh, to do something. And uh, we have to remember that the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly. They're not carnal, but they are spiritual for the bringing down of uh, spiritual powers. And uh, we're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, for you kiddos, I've got a challenge for you this afternoon. I want you to see if you can find in the Bible where it says that God's going to knock somebody's teeth out. Now, you don't think that's in the Bible, do you? But it is. I'll give you a little help. It's not in the New Testament. It is in the Old Testament, okay? And we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about God knocking out some teeth, okay, and how that happens. It does not happen through the weapons of the flesh. It happens through the weapons of the Spirit of God. And how we are to be praying in days like today. And uh, so uh, you come back for that tonight. Do you have your Bibles? Let me invite you to turn to Isaiah chapter 27. Again, I'm skipping through a lot. Uh, I've, I've uh, jumped over some really wonderful passages of Scripture. But I want to speak this morning on the subject of the Lord of the Harvest. Uh, because in the context of what is happening in the book of Isaiah, uh, we are being reminded that God is in control not only of what happened in Israel's day, but He is in control of what's happening in our day, and it is a worldwide administration of the grace of God. It is a worldwide administration of the providence of God. And there is a call of the gospel net that goes out to the whole world. And uh, I'm going to pick up at the end of chapter uh, 27 and just read two verses. We'll review some of it. And, uh, and uh, so before we do that, uh, I want to read the scripture and then we'll have a word of prayer. So it says, in that day, and let me, let me just pause here. In that day, I, I saw um, on the internet yesterday somebody asking one of the popular preachers, I say asking, he was answering, I guess, the question, are we in the last days? And I wanted to say, duh. Do you know how long we've been in the last days? since the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the better questions, are we at the end of the last days? And I don't know the answer to that, but when it says in that day, he's actually in this context referring to the day of the harvest, the day of the judgment, when God is going to separate the sheep from the goats. And notice what it says, in that day, from the river Euphrates to the brook of Egypt, the Lord will thresh out the grain and you will be gleaned one by one, O people of Israel. 
And in that day a great trumpet will be blown. And those who were lost in the land of Assyria and those who were driven out to the land of Egypt will come and worship the Lord on the holy mountain at Jerusalem. Let's bow together in prayer. And Father, help us to to have a global mindset. And Lord, it it is so easy uh, in the day that uh, we are currently living in to look very myopically, very close to us, uh, to see what's near to us, and to forget that you are the God of this world, the God of everything that is happening and going on globally around us, and that it is your intent to call out from among the peoples of this earth your elect children, those who are yours now and forever, to save them redemptively by your saving grace, by the free pardon of sin that comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us to have a big view of you today and a, and a bigger view of our world and to understand that, that we don't live confined to just a small town or to, a, to a, a, a county on the eastern shore of Mobile Bay or to a humble state of Alabama or to a nation of the United States of America. But, Lord, we, we belong to to a global community, but more importantly, as your children, we belong to you. And it is to you that we must give an account. It is to you that we must give an answer. Lord, your word reminds us that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Lord, help that to grasp our souls and hearts today. Lord, not only for the unbeliever who will die without Christ, but, Lord, to believers who will give an account for how we have walked with you and how we have followed you to be obedient children to a loving and gracious God. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Now, we know that the Bible teaches that the Lord is the Lord of the harvest. Uh, we're, we're reminded in uh, Luke chapter 10, he tells us that when he sent out the 70 uh, disciple, 70 of the disciples um, they went two by two into every town it's a good way of evangelism uh, so that you don't stand alone that you have someone to walk with you to pray with you to encourage you as you share the gospel but verse 2 of that chapter says uh, that the Lord said the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few therefore pray to whom? To the Lord of the harvest. Now who are we talking about? We're talking about God himself. We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. God is up to something in our world. Uh, you and I have to remember that. It, sometimes it looks like it's, uh, it's burned over ground. Uh, sometimes it looks like uh, uh, the forest uh, has... Uh, uh, been attacked by uh, something and it's dying. It, it looks as if there's not fruit here or there. And we forget that uh, God has a harvest. And that harvest uh, work has not slowed down. It has not ended. Uh, 
And don't believe what your eyes see. Believe what God tells you in his word. And so he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Uh, You'll remember when uh, Jesus encounters the woman at the well. Uh, She is from a different culture, a different people group. She's a Samaritan. And uh, it is uh, noon. She comes there to to get water because uh, she is of a... Um, of, a, of a bad reputation and she's fearful of what others would say about her. And uh, who does she encounter at that time? It is a divine appointment. The Father sent Jesus to encounter this woman at this particular moment in time. And uh, there is, uh, as she is drawing water from this well, uh, he asked her to give her, uh, him rather, some water. But he says to her, if you knew it, who it was that asked you for a drink, you would ask of him to give you not water from this well, but this harvest water, living water, so that you would never thirst again. And we get to hear the blessed story of how she comes to be a child of our, our Lord. She is picked in the harvest Uh, She is ripe fruit on the tree, and she is brought into the kingdom of God. And and so the other disciples, the other twelve who had gone into uh, the marketplace to get food for them, when they return, uh, they say, here's some food and eat. Jesus said, I don't have to eat anymore. And they were like, did you already eat uh, while we were gone? John 4, 34 says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. There's a food that satisfies me. And it is not, you know, I still have one of our church members blesses the church staff at Christmas time by baking a cheesecake and we and when we get it my wife uh, very carefully divides it all up into little pieces and then wraps it up and then puts it in the freezer and I think there's still a piece in the freezer you know and I, I, I think at times boy I'd love to have that piece of that cheesecake and a nice cup of hot coffee to go along with it I hope you're getting hungry right now and you know what, but, but you know I can eat that piece of cheesecake and, or I could eat a, I, I can remember when I was a teenage boy, uh, I could eat half a fried chicken and still be hungry. You know, get up and go, where, where, where's, where's the snack? You can eat those things and what is the next thing that will come down the pike just a few hours later? You'll be hungry again. Jesus is making a statement here. If you want a hunger in your soul that will satisfy you, be in the harvesting of new people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. That is a soul satisfying. I have food that you do not know of. He went on to say in verse 35, You say there's yet four months and the harvest is coming. What were they doing? They were looking with their 
eyes. The harvest is not yet here. It's pretty springtime-like outside, right? Uh, it's a time to get the ground ready and to begin to... But it's not harvest time, is it? No, it's not harvest time. And yet, you and I need to see spiritually that God's harvest goes on all the time. There's planting, there's cultivating, there's watering, there's weeding. All of that goes on all the time. But there's harvesting that is to continue. So he says, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are right now white unto harvest. I, I understand. I, want, I know what it's like in the flesh to look and say, man, it's all brown. Everything's dead out there. It seems like nobody cares. Nobody wants to hear but you know what? I don't know about you, but I remember when I came to faith in Jesus Christ, I didn't want to hear either. I didn't want to know. I was sitting in a church. I'd go to church when mom and dad would make me go, and I'd hear the gospel being preached, and I would say, oh, I don't want that. I was brown, dead, in trespasses and sins. And yet it is through the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ that men and women are wakened from death. They're regenerated to new life by the Holy Spirit of God and come into His kingdom. It's something that you and I can't see by our eyes. We must trust what God says. It also goes on to say in this same chapter, uh, this same passage in verse 39, there were many Samaritans that came to faith in Christ because of her witness. This lady who comes to faith in Christ, this woman at the well, she goes and tells others about the Lord. But more interestingly, I think verse 41, and yet many more believe because of his word. You see, God's at work when, when you and I aren't at work. And you and I can't see that. We don't know what God's doing. Remember when God picked up Philip, that deacon who was in a revival meeting, and he was doing a good work, and God said, I want you to go to the desert. And when he goes to the desert, he sees a caravan on its way to Ethiopia. And it just so happens that the leader in the a uh, caravan is under the authority of the queen of Ethiopia and he happened to have bought a book for her. She had requested a scroll from the Old Testament. It just happened to be the book of Isaiah. And he just happened to be reading in a particular chapter of the book of Isaiah. And I don't know if you know about it. You don't flip pages in a scroll. He didn't happen to... It wasn't one of those lucky dip things, it, you know, where you just say, well, let it fly open to where it is. It's, it's, it's rolled up, and he had been turning it roll by roll by roll by roll, and he just happens to be in the 53rd chapter that speaks of the suffering servant. And it was at a pointed moment in time when everything that Philip could see was dead, dry, barren. But God's the Lord of the harvest. He is the Lord of the harvest and he sends him out there. And he asks him the question, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, no, how can I unless someone explains it to me? I can remember in the old days when we used to 
Uh, I used to read out of the King James Version. Uh, it used to be a joke where uh, cigarette smoking was in the Bible because it says he lit a camel. He got up, which means he got up on the camel. That wasn't very funny, but anyway. <laughs> he got up, he joined him on the camel with him. And what did he do? He explained to him the Scriptures. And the church, the first church in Ethiopia began right there along the shores of the Mediterranean, on the way down through Egypt, down into Ethiopia. And when he gets there, the church begins in Ethiopia. And he begins to tell others about this great Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. Now understand this, this promise that God gives us here in this chapter has to do with, it's on the background of great judgment coming from God. You and I have to understand that always. People don't come to faith in Jesus Christ just because we tell them some good news. There has to be in the background the understanding that we are sinners. And we are broken and dead in our trespasses and sins. That's why we must tell the law of God, the requirement of the law of God. You are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your being. And you know, when we begin to look at it like that, we realize that we don't do that. The world in which we live does not do that. And yet God requires it of us. The God who made us, created us, designed us. He has designed us to love Him with all of our hearts and we cannot do that apart from grace. There is no other way. We could set our minds and our wills and say, Oh, I'm going to be the best person I can be. And we fail. We were born in failure and we continue in failure. Back in the 24th chapter of Isaiah in verse 1, notice how he says it. Behold, the Lord will empty the earth and make it desolate. You, we've got to understand this, this harvest is on the background of judgment and disobedience and rebellion against God. And he will twist its surface and scatter its inhabitants. Verse 3 of that chapter says, And the earth shall be utterly empty and utterly plundered. And then notice what it says, For the Lord has spoken it. There's a day coming, everybody's going to give an account to a holy God for our unholiness. And the question is going to be, has our holy unholiness been taken care of by the free pardon of sin accomplished on the cross of Calvary through Jesus Christ? Or is it something that we have to pay for ourselves? Now, now that's the harvest we are a part of. And there is a Lord of the harvest. Don't forget that. <laughs> You're not the harvest. You're not the Lord of the harvest. What are you as a child of God? You're, you're a worker. You're a laborer. 
You come alongside the Lord of the harvest. And if that doesn't excite you, you know, I, my wife was saying the other day, oh, I wish uh, we could have some camellias growing in the backyard. Bushes, okay? Camellia bushes. And then she went and looked and she found what she wanted and they were $75 a bush. And I said, we're not having camellia bushes in our backyard. And uh, I got to talking. I said, have you noticed how good we are at growing things? I go buy bushes from Lowe's, and Lowe's promises to replace it when it dies. You know, I get tired of going back because it seems like everything I plant, it dies. I mean, it just you put it in the ground, and you water it, and you pray for it, and then it dies. And you go back and... After you go back the third time, they're like, you know, there is a limitation to how many times you can do this. You know, her grandmother, over off House Ferry Road in Mobile, she could take a toothpick and stick it in the ground and say, become a camellia tree bush. And man, it'd, it'd come up. It'd be beautiful. She used to crossbreed those things. She, she had her hybrids, and she named them all, and they all had different names. Well, you know what? When, when Mamma used to say, come out to the greenhouse and work with me, you know what? It was a delight to do it. Why? She was the Lord of the harvest. I mean, she knew what she was doing. I mean, she had a green thumb. I've got a black thumb. You understand what I'm getting at? You and I are to be called alongside the Lord of the harvest. Listen to his voice. Obey his voice. Go where he tells you to go. Do what he tells you to do. Say what he tells you to say. And he's the Lord of the harvest. But I don't want to go there then you won't be a laborer in his harvest. So back in chapter 27, we've kind of looked at uh, um, some of what's been said. In in chapter 27, verse 12, I'm not going to read it, but what he tells us in verse 12 is, and if you have your Bible, you can look at it, what he tells us there is there's going to be an eternal spiritual harvest that's going to be gathered from the whole earth. Understand that. He will reap his harvest just like an olive grower beats and shakes his harvest from the tree. I've, I've not, I have been in uh, Tuscany and uh, Italy and I've seen the, the, the olive trees there. And uh, they do it a little bit different now in some places over there than they used to do it. They have these machines that come up and grab a hold of the trunk of the tree, and you know what they do? They shake it. They've got these nets that are there, and they fall down into the nets, and they gather them together. And yet, after they've done that, they go through, long through like a conveyor, and they go through and look at each individual one. You see, the picture of what God is trying to get us to see here is that the Lord is in the process always of harvesting 
people, individuals, one by one. It's not, it's not mass production. It's one by one. Every single human being that comes to faith in Christ is significant to the kingdom of God. And verse 13 tells us there's going to be a feast that's going to take place because of the bountiful harvest. Now, you and I may not see all of that today. We won't. We won't see that all in our lifetime. But we will see it when we get to glory. You know, I can I'm glad I don't see everybody who's come to faith in Jesus Christ through my life or through my witness. Because I don't know about you, but i got a pride problem. I do. I might just go, boy, I'm doing a pretty good job, aren't I? And you know what? That's, that's not God's way, is it? God's way is I come before him and I say, Lord, within me dwells no good thing. Uh, all the way back to chapter 3. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, let me just make another statement. We must remember that the Lord of the harvest is going to have his way. He gets what he desires. It's going to happen his way, not your way, not my way. He's going to perform his harvest. And uh, the future that he has planned in his harvest will be fulfilled. And I realize when I say that, you may be sitting there going, well, then why does God need me? And the answer is, it's not so much that God needs you, but he invites you. He invites you to be a part of what God is doing and bringing people into his kingdom. Chapter 27 and verse 1 tells us that not even Satan can and his attacks can cause God's garden to fail to produce good fruit. I know he's at work. Turn the news on. <laughs> Uh, get on the internet. You, you, you see what's happening. And, and at times you and I might look at that and go, well, Satan is, is working so hard. God, <laughs> God is in control, not Satan. Satan does not hinder, does not stop the working of God. You and I need to be on his side and not fearful of the enemy but we ought to be fearful of God himself. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we need to adjust our lives to what he says. And don't forget, he's the vine keeper. It's his vineyard. He's in charge of it. Remember Jesus said it back in uh, the New Testament in the 15th chapter. He said, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. My work is going on. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, what does he do? He takes it away and later he says he burns it. But every branch in him that does bear fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. So remember, God's harvest is a wonderful harvest. His vineyard is a weedless vineyard. It will produce what God wants it to produce. 
He tells us in verse 6 of chapter 27 that the whole world will produce God's fruit. You say, preacher, you're saying a whole lot of things that I just don't see going on. And the reality is, guess what? You don't see it. But that's, does that make it not real? Does that make it not happening? I said something to somebody the other day. The fastest growing church percentage-wise in the world today is happening in Iran. Statistically, the fastest growing church in the world right now is in Iran. Now, you don't see that. You won't hear that. You say, where'd you get it from? I got it from... I'm trusting that uh, the statisticians of the uh, uh, Southern Baptist Convention who work with a a statistic group out in Phoenix, Arizona who do all of this research are giving us the, the truth. People are coming to faith in Jesus Christ when you can't see it. It's not up to us to see it. It's us, up to us to trust the word of the Lord and the Lord of the word and come alongside him and uh, be his instruments. Um, Revelation 7, 9 gives us that promise. And after this I looked. And behold, there was a great multitude. Not, not just a few. I realize you look at the church and there's a lot of empty seats in here. That's well, okay. God's the Lord of the harvest. A great multitude that no one could number. Where are they from? Every nation. Every tribe. Every ethnic every people group every language and they're standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes and with palm branches in their hand this gospel Jesus said will be preached throughout the whole world and in Luke chapter 13 question is asked by the Lord or or a parable is given by the Lord and he says what shall I compare the kingdom of God to it is like leaven that a woman took and hid it in three measures of flour until it was all leavened well preacher then all I have to do is just sit here and be passive not so pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might thrust forth laborers into his harvest who are his laborers his children his people those who've experienced his grace those who obey him I've only got half the sermon done and the, and the hour is over. The other half of it is there must be an obedience to the Lord. There must be repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to come to salvation. And child of God, that must be true for us in maturity in salvation. You, you see, we talk a lot about grace, don't we? And, and we must talk about grace. We are saved by grace. But there is repentance. And repentance is turning from our will and our ways and turning to 
to him. It's like there's a gospel net that has been thrown out. The old saints used to call it the gospel net. We've lost, we've lost sight of that. And I think we need to regain it. But there is a gospel net that is being thrown out by the word of God, by the spirit of God, by the Lord of the harvest. Now, let me ask you a question. If that net only had one side to it, how many fish would you catch? If it was just one sheet of net thrown out and you're pulling it behind your boat, how many fish are you going to catch? You're not going to catch any. But if you couple it with repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, great will be the harvest. You see, sometimes we preach half of a gospel. There is no gospel apart from the bad news. The bad news is we are hopelessly lost in our sin. And there is no salvation apart from turning from sin and self and turning to the Savior. The Bible talks about obedience to the gospel. We don't like that word. We don't like that. Because we say obedience then is a work for salvation. Well, I'm going to get to, I'm going to try to get to my verse as soon as I can find it. It's a verse that we don't like to use as Baptist. Okay? It's Mark, it's Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. And the reason why we don't like using it is because there's another denomination that uses it to teach baptismal regeneration. What do we mean by that? That you, you know, that's, that's essential to your conversion. And then we've let, let them rob that of the truth and reality of what the Bible says. Baptism is essential to salvation. Preacher's gone into heresy now. No, I haven't. It's because it is a picture of repentance toward God. It says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. You see, true spiritual baptism is a work of God's grace. Now, you can be baptized all you want as a work. For salvation and die and go to hell. But true spiritual baptism, according to the Word of God, is a grace from God. You can say that you've been forgiven of all of your sins, you have been given the Holy Spirit to guide and empower you by a new nature, that He's placed in you, uh, placed the Holy Spirit in you by regeneration, and then disobey Him and not publicly identify with him in baptism. But the reality is when a person is truly born again of the Spirit of God, they run to obey everything that Christ says to do. And so as we're presenting this gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, we need to remember we've got to give the bad along with the good. And there must be an obedience to the gospel that's not a work of salvation, but it is a gift of God's grace. Repentance is a gift from God. I've got about 30 scriptures here that I would want to have read that tells us that repentance is a gift of God. It is a gift from God. It is free grace 
that enables us to run to Christ and to openly and unashamedly identify ourselves with our Savior. And it's the harvest of the Lord of the harvest. Probably not the best illustration, but I'm going to give it to you. Back in, back in the day, you may not be able to tell that I actually played football at one time. We would have, as we started uh, two-a-day practices in the summertime, we would have practice in the morning, and then we'd come back in the afternoon and have practice again. And at the end of practice, the coach would say, line up on the goal line. And you know what all the football players did? They lined up on the goal line. And he said, we're going to now do 100-yard and we called them wind sprints. We're going to do 100-yard wind sprints. You're going to do 10 100-yard wind sprints. Now, I'm going to tell you what. I can barely walk 100 yards today. But back in that day, they said you're going to do 10 100-yard wind sprints. And so, you know what we did? We did 10 100-yard wind sprints. And about a third of the team was over there regurgitating. And then he said, now we're going to run 20, 40-yard wind sprints. And we'd run them. And, man, we were so tired. And we're thinking we can't do it anymore. And then he would say, now we're going to run 30, 10-yard sprints. Now, I've got to tell you, 10-yard sprints, nothing. Except that you've already run the 100 yards and the 40 yards. And then after it was over, this is what he would say. Now, everybody, run your mile. And you got seven and a half minutes to run your mile. And if you don't make it in seven and a half minutes, and he got out there with the stopwatch, you know what you got to do? You got to run another mile. And so you know what most of us fat boys did? <laughs> we just ran two 20-minute miles <laughs> because there's no way it's going to make a seven-and-a-half-minute mile. And we all did that for the coach. We did exactly what he said. We were thoroughly invested in the objective He's just a man. His name was John Sclopan. I think he's still living over in Mobile. We did it for just a man. Because we wanted to be on that team and we wanted to please our coach. And how much more? I'm not talking about working for your salvation. Do you not see that? It's out of grace. Out of grace I have been saved. And so when the Lord of the harvest says, line up on the goal line. You know what we do? We line up on the goal line. When he says, follow me in believer's baptism, we go, yes, Lord. When he says, memorize my word, we memorize his word. When he says, love one another as I have loved you, we love one another as he has loved us. These are things that you can't necessarily see with your physical eyes. But because he is our Lord of the harvest, we say yes. And I want us all today just to simply say to the Lord, Lord, I repent. 
Yesterday, the Lord brought to my mind a moment in my high school years. It was a a baseball, uh, pardon me, a basketball game that was going on in our gymnasium at Davidson High School. And uh, the, the class clown started a chant that made fun of one of the other students. And it was a funny moment for everybody. And, and uh, in a moment of stupidity, I started chanting with the rest of them. And after that was over, that young man who everybody was making fun of came over and walked up to me. And he said, of all the people in the school, I would have thought you would never have done that. I've tried to find him over the years. I think I found him yesterday. I'm going to make a phone call this afternoon. Because I need to go one make right my sin before him that happened so long ago do I really need to do that absolutely I do and my number one goal is hopefully if he's not been born again of the spirit of God is to be a part of the harvest wondering why did God bring that to my mind these many years later Because maybe he's got the scroll of Isaiah rolled out to the 53rd chapter and he's saying, will somebody come explain it to me? I'll tell you the rest of the story when I find out, okay? So, Father, I, I know when I started this, my thought was this sermon has one point. Doesn't have three points, doesn't have five points. As one point, you're the Lord of the harvest. There's a man, a woman, a boy, a girl here in this place or by way of the, the internet who has yet to hear that call. Your word very clearly says that you call people. You call people to salvation. You call to repentance. You speak the message of repentance. You do it through your servants. You do it through your word. You do it by your spirit. And I pray that, Lord, today somebody will be harvested by the Spirit of God upon hearing that Christ died for their sins, was buried, rose again the third day, has been exalted into heaven and is coming again someday. He is King of kings and He is Lord of lords and He holds us all accountable to Himself and that He will freely pardon those who come to Him in repentance and faith and save them by His grace. But I pray also that every child of God would say to you, yes, Lord, tell me where the line is. 
tell me what the assignment is. If it's here, if it's at school, if it's at work, if it's on the other side of the country, Lord, if you're calling me to Afghanistan, Lord, I want to be your laborer alongside the Lord of the harvest to do your bidding. And know that one day we will have a feast in glory where there will be people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and people, and we will celebrate the glory of your grace. Lord, you're the big God, and there is no other. And our heart's desire as your children is to run in obedience to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.